0: Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. And our seats this morning for the message, please. And if you want to start turning ahead in your Bible to our text this morning, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 37. Still in our series, Summer in the Psalms. You guys enjoying our summer? Yeah. And hey, uh, I know Brian announced it, but if you're not doing anything later today, uh, I'd love to see you at the baptism at Connemaw Dam. It's a good time of fellowship too. I'm going to take my, my fishing rod and uh, there'll be food there. It's just a, it's a great time. So... Uh, let's pray at the beginning of our message, and, uh, and uh, we'll probably pray sometime on in too because I need all the prayer I can get. I'm a little distracted this morning, but the Lord's going to help. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this time that we can be here. We thank you that you are with us, and that anytime we seek to grow in our understanding of you and grow in, in just being conformed to, to the image of Jesus Christ, that you are there and you are behind that and uh, you want to help us and so we're, we're here this morning father because that's what we want and we know that that's a prayer that you are eager to answer so father I pray for all of us this morning that you would help us to be able to just focus on your word and be hearers of your word and be doers of your word and help me as I preach that I could um, just be able to to focus and just receive uh, your gifting to be able to do this. In the name of Jesus we ask and pray. Amen. How many of you know who George Mueller is? Raise your hand. All right, a lot of you, probably most of you. George Mueller uh, lived in the 1800s, and uh, this is a picture of him. Pretty cool looking dude. I like his beard. Um, he, uh, he is a, he was just a great man of God. He was used by God in so many ways. He he was um, in charge of orphanages, many orphanages in Bristol, England, in the mid to late 1800s. Um, uh, ministered to I think over 120,000 orphans throughout his life. Um, was also a great proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus. Traveled to 42 countries over. 200,000 miles by ship just to tell people about Jesus. So he was a great evangelist in addition to uh, a minister to orphans. Um, he was just uh, an encouraging Christian man. And I would encourage any of you who haven't read his autobiography uh, to get a hold of one. A great one is, I don't know if any of you know about the YWAM series of books, Heroes of the Faith, but um, they're, they're written for children but I really benefit from them. Maybe that tells you what level of reading I I like, but, uh, but the YWAM book about George Mueller is, is great. Um, and I've read many of in his autobiography and in that YWAM book it just gives accounts of many of his journal entries that are so encouraging. George Mueller was a guy who saw God act in his life in powerful ways on a regular basis. It's like when we see God come and, and just answer a prayer in a powerful way, we, we like to stand up and give a testimony as we should, but probably for, for most of us, me included, it's because it's, it's not the norm. It's like an exception. It's like something great and wonderful that doesn't always happen. But in, in George Mueller's life, it seemed like these things happen pretty regularly. And um, I, one, one account from his journal that I'd like to read shows a way that that God came and answered a prayer immediately and acted on one morning at one of the orphanages so here's a quote from George's journal he says one morning all the plates and cups and bowls on the table were empty there was no food in the larder that's I guess what they called the cupboard where they kept food the pantry and no money to buy food the children were standing waiting for their morning meal when I said children You know we must be in time for school. Then lifting up my hands, I prayed, Dear Father, we thank Thee for what Thou art going to give us to eat. Now that's a prayer of faith. Immediately there was a knock at the door. The baker stood there and said, Mr. Mueller, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt you didn't have bread for breakfast and the Lord wanted me to send you some. So I got up at 2 a.m., and baked some fresh bread, and I have brought it. Wow. Like, George Mueller asked for a need, and God answered. He acted. He came. Immediately. He goes on, he says, I thanked the baker, and no sooner had he left when there was a second knock at the door. It was the milkman. He announced that his milk cart had broken down right in front of the orphanage. Hmm, what a coincidence, huh? And he would like to give the children his cans of fresh milk so he could empty his wagon and repair it. See God, God is overseeing every second of our lives. And, and he wants us to put ourselves in the position, as George Mueller did so often, to receive blessings from him, blessings that would be shocking,. Miraculous, we would consider them. But see, George Mueller lived a life where he positioned himself to receive these blessings. God, I believe, wants this to be not some kind of exception, but more the normal Christian life. I truly believe this. I believe our text is going to show us this today. And so, if when we think about this, we think, why? Why don't we receive these blessings on a regular basis? Was, was George Mueller some kind of just freakishly spiritual Christian? Was he some kind of exception? Or, or can we receive the same blessings? Can we put ourselves in the same position as him to experience God in that way? Do we have the same ability to receive blessings from God and answered prayers. And I believe we do. I believe that the scripture today is going to show us that we do. See, we have the same God as George Mueller. He hasn't changed. We have the same Bible as George Mueller. The Word of God hasn't changed. We have the same promises as George Mueller. That hasn't changed. God is I believe, eager and willing to fulfill our desires as long as our desires are shaped by Him. And that's what we're going to see this morning. So when George, when George prayed that prayer and he heard that knock at the door and he opened it and the baker was there with a tray of soft, warm rolls to give to the children for breakfast, I believe we can experience those same kinds of answered prayers. The title of our message this morning is Soft Rolls for Satisfied Desires. And this isn't just some catchy title to go along with the illustration at the beginning of the soft rolls that George received. There's meaning in this title, and I want you to pay close attention to those two words at the beginning, soft rolls, because we're going to come back to those. And you'll see throughout the message that each of those words are two keys to receiving God's blessings in powerful ways in your life. Our text this morning is from Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. And this is a text that, this is one of George Mueller's favorite texts, if you read about him. And I believe this is a text that will show us how to position ourselves, our faith, in the same way that Mueller positioned his to receive these kinds of blessings on a regular basis from God. So, first of all, before we get into soft rules, let's take a look at the passage, an, an overview of the passage. An overview of the passage. And I want to I get a general sense here of these two verses. So let's read them together. Delight yourself in the Lord and he might give you the desires of your heart i see i see heads shaking that's that's not what it says it doesn't say might right delight yourself in the lord and he he could perhaps give you the desires of your heart right no delight yourself in the lord delight yourself in the lord and he will will underline will give you the desires of your heart you can bank on it there there's no question this is a this is a promise at the end of this verse he will give you the desires of your heart commit your way to the Lord trust in him and he will act he will act he will act in the same way that he acted in George Muller's life, life, and so many other Christians' lives through history. These verses, each of these verses, verse 4 and verse 5, are made up of a precept and a promise. A precept and a promise. A precept is a general rule intended to regulate our behavior. A general rule intended to regulate our behavior or thought. And a promise is a declaration or assurance that something particular will happen. In this case, that God will do a particular thing. So verse 4 has a precept and a promise. Verse 5 has a precept and a promise. So in verse 4, what what is the precept? What is the precept for us in verse 4? Yes, Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. This is, this is the precept. This is the general rule intended to regulate our behavior or thought. We're going to take a closer look at that, specifically the word delight, because that's the verb that it's calling us to do. That's our responsibility. And the promise of verse 4, He will give you the desires of your heart. Do you want that promise answered? Then you've got to fulfill the precept. See, these, let me ask you this. I think it's obvious, but are these conditional promises or unconditional promises? These are conditional promises. The Scripture has both. So, the promises that Jesus Christ is coming back again one day, that the Scripture has, that's unconditional. We don't have to do anything to make that happen. It's just going to happen. The promise that, that says that that believers are eternally secure in Jesus Christ and that we will be with him one day, that we have eternal life. Unconditional. Unconditional. You don't have to, to do anything to retain that gift. It's a gift. This is, these are conditional. So verse, verse five, condition, precept, commit your way to the Lord. It actually has two. Trust in him. And we're gonna see that those kind of mean the same thing. But those are the precepts, those are the conditions, and and as we do those, as we fulfill those, as we yield to God in these areas, He will act. We will see Him act. So this is an an overview of these two verses. Verses 34 and 35 are, are conditioned upon whether we follow them, how we live out our lives according to these promises. And these precepts are like keys that unlock the door that God will come through and act in our lives. These, these precepts these precepts are, are positions that we can put ourselves in to receive these blessings. And, and we're going to see that more and more as we go through the message. So I, I want to make this as clear and as simple for us as possible. And so I, I'd like to, us to focus on primarily on what is our responsibility in these verses. Because if we do our responsibility, then we can have all the faith in the world that God will keep His promises towards us because he's God he can't lie so all we really need to do is is two words and we're gonna focus on these two words the verbs delight and commit and we'll look at trust as well and we'll see that these are very similar but delight and commit are the words that we're gonna focus in on this morning but we're not actually gonna focus in on the English I like to bring I like to bring the original language in sometimes, and so we're going to focus on more the Hebrew words underneath the hood of the English. And and this will make more sense as I go, but we'll see that the Hebrew words that, that, that really give us a good word picture of what these two words mean are, can you guess? Soft and roll. title of the message again is Soft Rolls for satisfied desires and we're gonna see that these two words will give us a good picture of what God wants us to do soft and roll. so let's take let's take a look at the first word first let's just look at the English word soft just want us to get a feel for for where we're going here think about how you would define just think about it kinda in your mind right now how would you define the word soft Maybe your child asks you, Mommy, Daddy, how, how do you define, what is soft? So think about how you would define that. As I looked at some definitions for this word, here are some definitions that I found. Soft. Easily molded, cut, or worked. It's a good definition. Easily molded. You think of like Play-Doh. You know, whenever, whenever we leave it out on the table, like when you were little, Jakey, and it got hard, you had to throw it away, right? That Play-Doh gets hard if you leave it out, you can't mold it anymore, it just breaks and it's brittle. But uh, I like it when it's fresh out of that container. When, it, when it's fresh out, it's just soft and you can mold it, you can press on it, you can work it, you can cut it. So, easily molded, cutter worked. Here, here's another definition, yielding readily to touch or pressure. Soft, yielding readily to touch or pressure. Easily changed in shape. Not hard or stiff. These are good definitions of soft, right? That's what soft means. Interestingly, the Hebrew word for the word delight in verse 4, where it says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. The Hebrew word is anag, And this word, if you look it up in, in like Strong's lexicon or, or some Hebrew concordance or dictionary, you're going to see two definitions. You're going to see two definitions. First, you might see the, the word "delight," or "to take pleasure in," which is how it's translated in Psalm 37:4 in most Bible translations. So delight." That just means we know what that means. It means "to take pleasure in. You know, I'm delighted in the cookie dough, arctic swirl that I get at the meadows. It delights me. Uh, I'm delighted when I'm in my kayak going down the river fishing. I take pleasure in it. It's like this is great. So, So we're to have that same outlook, that same perspective in the Lord. But it also means something else. You'll see another definition if you look at the Hebrew word anog. And this is actually probably the more common definition It's to be soft, tender, pliable. Pliable just means to to be able to be worked like that Play-Doh fresh out of the container. So, which one is it? Well, the Hebrew word anog actually means both. It, It doesn't mean one or the other. It's both. But we don't have an English word that means both of those things. So, translators are in the tough position where they have to just kind of pick what's the best English word it's both it's to. you could say it you could say it like this you could say a nog is to experience delight by being soft tender or pliable does does that make sense to experience delight by being soft tender or pliable it's kinda like the play-doh you know play-doh is made to be able to be shaped And so if Plato were a person, if it had like feelings and and it could experience emotion, it it would be happiest when it was soft. Because it's being used. That's what it's made for. But you let it sit out on the table when it gets hard and crusty and brittle, that Plato's sad. It's not happy. It can't do what it was made to do. And and this word is kind of like if that Plato had feelings, it's like us. We are made to be soft before the Lord. Not hard. We're made to put ourselves in the position that He can shape us and mold us and do whatever He wants with us. And when we do that, we actually will delight in Him. And so this word is packed full of both of those meanings. And He's calling us here to experience true pleasure and true delight in Him by making ourselves soft and tender and pliable in His hands. And when we do that, He will give us the desires of our heart. He will give us the desires of our heart. Why will He give us the desires of our heart? Because the desires of our heart will be shaped in the way that He wants them to be shaped as we are pliable before Him. See, here's what happens a lot of times. This this can happen with all of us as we read this verse because I think it's just human nature to read it backwards, to flip these two things around, to flip the precept and the promise. I think it's human nature to read it kind of like this. God... And we might not read it like this, but here's, I think, what we think in our minds a lot of times. God, give me the desires of my heart. Then I will delight myself in you. Right? Isn't that kind of how we think? God, give me the desires of my heart. Then I will delight myself in you. In other words, to 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 the degree that you answer my prayers, I'll be happy and take pleasure in you. But it's, it's not supposed to work like that. God wants it to work the other way. And he intends it to work the other way. That we soften ourselves before him. Our desires are sh- first shaped by him. And then he's very pleased to give them to us. Why? Not because he's some kind of control freak. But because he loves us. And he knows that sometimes we have wrong desires. We're like little kids that wants something that we shouldn't have. And, and when our parents don't give it to us because it's actually best for us that we don't get that, we cry and we complain and we get angry toward them and we get hard-hearted toward them and we don't take pleasure in them anymore. We have a word for that, I think. I think that's called a brat, right? I, I didn't get my way. And we can be like that sometimes and we we can hold that against God and not take pleasure in Him and that's not what He wants for us. He doesn't want us to be spiritual brats because we can have wrong desires and He needs to shape them first because He wants to shape them into what's best for us and what will actually give us the most pleasure and delight in our lives. That's why it's so important to get this verse in order. First the precept, then the promise. Here are some examples of how the Bible speaks about the fact that our desires don't always match up with what God wants, and they need to be shaped by Him. For example, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 1, it says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. This is a warning to wealthy Christians or Christians who simply want to put money or riches before God as a higher desire. He's warning them. If, if they desire that, they're going to fall into many senseless and harmful desires that ensnare them in a very dangerous place in, in life. So. Here's the thing. In Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. It's not just the things you want before God shapes them. It's, it's not that. It's the things you want after God shapes them. Because He's not going to just give you everything you want. So that's not, excuse me, that's not a broad brush promise. In some Christian circles, it's taught like that. Like in a, in a what is sometimes referred to as like a prosperity gospel type circle, they might teach it like that. You, you can get a million dollars if you just believe and delight yourself in the Lord. You can get a new car, a new house, a mansion. It's not that. It's the desires that God shapes because they're best for you. Another verse that talks about wrong desires, 1 John 2, 16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father but from the world he doesn't want us to go after these wrong desires and naturally our desires are shaped like that because we still have flesh and we still live in the world so our desires are going to be shaped like that unless we do the precept of verse 4 and we're soft before the lord allowing him to shape them and finally uh in Galatians and we could go through many more but um, Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 and 17 but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do so we have wrong sinful desires They need to be shaped by the Lord before he'll grant them. But to the degree we, Anog, delight by softening and making ourselves pliable before him, to the degree we do that, we will see him grant our desires because he wants to give us those things that are good for us. So, we have to be shaped by a proper relationship with him. Now, I want to try to make this extremely practical before we go on to the next word. I want to to tell you how to do that. How do you do that? How do you soften yourself? How do you make yourself pliable? How do you delight in the Lord in that way? Well, I think first, first we have to be aware. This is key. Awareness is just a big part of this. So, we're learning this from God's Word. We need to just remember this. We need to be aware that in whatever circumstance you're going through in your life, it doesn't matter if it's something really good or something really bad. Here's the thing. God loves you, and he He could have stopped that. He's allowing that to happen. It may not be from Him, We went through the book of Job a little while ago. We learned that sometimes Satan can bring these things on. We learned that sometimes our our consequences of of sin can bring these things on. It may not be from him, but he he could have stopped it. He's allowing whatever it is to happen for a purpose. For a purpose. He's allowing it. The awareness that he's allowing it because it's an opportunity to shape you. Whether good or bad, that's what the Lord does. Look at the cross of Jesus Christ, the most horrible event in human history. You might have gone through some bad stuff, but none of it was as bad as a perfect, innocent human being who did more good than anyone else in the world, being crucified for a crime he didn't commit. Nothing is worse than that. Yet God took that horrible incident and caused, I want to say infinite, good to come out of it. See, God, the awareness that whatever's going on in your life, that that God can take that and use it to shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. If if we soften ourselves and don't fight it. That's a key thing. Being aware of that is a key thing in how to do this. I think that's one of the most important things that we can do is just be aware of that. So second of all, I think being aware of another thing. And, and that is, in light of the first thing, being aware then of your own pliability, your level of pliability, your level of softness. So you're going through something hard. I mean, Okay, this is not hard. This is like... Not hard, but this morning I, I was I was distracted in many ways, and um, you know I'm thinking about preaching this message, and I'm thinking oh, I'm getting distracted. I got some some things I got to do. I Didn't get to do them. Think some there are some things that didn't go well this morning. So here, here's an example. I I'm I'm going through this, and I'm I'm noticing that I'm feeling very tempted. Lord, why are you letting this happen? I had a plan to go in and do this and this and this and nothing's going right. It's going to interfere with my mind and the way I preach this message. Why is this happening? And I'm starting to get a little hard-hearted toward the Lord. And, And fortunately, providentially I should say, this was on my mind. So this second way of how to do this was on my mind, which is be aware at any given time of your personal level of softness before the Lord. Okay, so I'm kind of detaching a little bit from myself and looking at my emotions and thinking, Bob, you're not doing a good job of what you're going to be preaching. And that's what we got to do. And so that actually helped so much because then I became aware of what I was doing, aware of what God says, and aware of how I need to change it. And so it's like that... That, i got to tell you, that will do wonders for your stress level. It will do wonders because here's the thing that happens in your mind, in your heart. Oh, well, God, you could have stopped this, and you didn't, and there's something good in here for me. And I, I want to soften myself like that clay, like that Play-Doh, and I want to just be able to, okay, this is, this is good. The Lord's teaching me patience. The Lord's teaching me faith. The Lord's stretching me out a little bit through these little trials and, and, and He's teaching me endurance and He's teaching me to trust in Him and He's teaching me that, that maybe you can say this in your message and it's going to help people so there's a reason for it. And, and see, that's the thing God does when we soften our hearts before Him when we're going through a stressful time. And it's like, boom. It's not stressful anymore. This is something that I've, I want to keep doing and that I've got to keep doing because I can get a little frazzled at times. And this, this, this is very helpful. So the awareness of, of just this fact, this, this precept, and then the awareness of personally applying it to our lives will do wonders. And I, I, th- I, read this, I read this quote this week, and I think it's a good one because it shows us the key to this. It says, change your approach to God. And I couldn't remember where I read it, so I can't cite it. But someone said this, change your approach to God Come eagerly to God, looking for him to make me something rather than for him to give me something. This is the the paradigm shift in our mind. Okay, we often think, I want you to give me something, whether it's relief from this circumstance, get me out of this, whatever. No, change it to, I I want you to make me something. And guess what? That's going to change everything because that's going to soften us to allow him to mold us in that circumstance, and we're realizing that he's making us into the image of Jesus Christ. He's making us into something that's going to, someone that's going to experience peace. Don't you want to experience peace rather than stress? This will do it. So this is coming to God with an attitude of softness and pliability before him and whatever you're going through, eagerly surrendering to him, yielding to him, being soft, and that realization that he's going he's to bless you through that. He's going to bless you through that. Alright, I'm going to move on. The, the last part, the last verse, verse 5, is not going to take very long at all, but I want to say one other thing about verse 4, this word soft. Um, here's the thing. Sometimes we're like metal. We're we're hard, okay? Naturally, I think we're like metal. And God has to, at times, turn the heat up or allow it to be turned up a little bit in our lives to soften us. Um, This is something that Bob Botsford made. This is a knife. This is really nice. Um, Metal blade on this thing. And Bob and Abe do some have done some blacksmithing, um, and uh, Bob had to heat this metal and pound on it to shape it into the shape so that it can be used for a tool. If he didn't do that, it, it would just be a blob of metal, a doll, it wouldn't be able to cut anything, it wouldn't be sharp. And in the same way, the Lord sometimes allows the heat to be turned up in our lives so that we can become softer and more pliable and so that He can hit on those spots that need to be shaped. And when He does that, when the heat's turned up, He just wants you to be aware. That's all. He wants you to realize, this is an opportunity. I'm going I'm to be soft before Him. I'm going to allow Him to shape me and mold me and make me so that, it's not for nothing, it's so that you can become a sharper Christian like the Lord Jesus Christ who spoke the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And you can get through the next trial with more peace and joy. So, I think God just wants to remind us. He doesn't want us to fight Him. He wants us to be soft all the time, but at times he's, he turns the heat up. Not to, maybe not to punish us, but just to, to discipline us in the good sense of making us more and more like Jesus Christ. I don't like heat. I don't like that. So I want to be as soft as I can all the time. And I think if we are, we may avoid some of those pressure situations. All right. A little softness will help. Um, God wants us to be soft so he can grant all of these desires, but he also wants to do, us to do something else. This won't take very long, but verse 5. He wants us to roll. He wants us to roll. And, um, you know, here, I, I was hungry this morning, so I asked my wife to pick up some of these soft rolls. I lo- don't you love these soft rolls? I love these soft dinner rolls, and uh, they, they are really good. They're tasty, they're soft, um, they're pliable, but they're a roll. God wants us to be soft, but he also wants us to roll, okay? Here's the idea. Here's the idea. Verse 37, five. commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Just like the first word in verse 4 has a word picture behind the Hebrew meaning, so does this word commit. This is the word galal. And if you look it up in Hebrew, you find one definition. And it's translated this way most times it means to roll, to roll away, to roll to another place. And I think that God is giving us a very simple image in that, in that He wants us to roll our way over to the Lord, to trust in Him, and He will act. So, we've got to be soft, but then we've got to roll our way over to the Lord. I need a... We have, by the way, we have... Um, our older kids from our children's ministry, Kids Cove, in here with us today on the fifth Sunday of each month. Um, they are here just to uh, kind of get transitioned into the service and see what we do over here. And so I would like to ask if, um, if I could have a volunteer, let's say between the ages of eight and 11. Just pick those random numbers. Eight and 11. Who's back here? Is that Brendan? Come on up, Brendan. All right. I want to I wanna give you guys a good reminder of what this means to roll our way over to the Lord. Come on up, Brennan. You're getting baptized today too, buddy, huh? All right, he's getting baptized today. Let's give this guy a hand. All right, praise the Lord. All right, stay right there. So this is a monster ball. All right, you've seen this, right? No? That's a big old monster ball. Okay? Now, I think we all know what it means to roll. Brennan, would you roll that monster ball to me? All right, that thing's heavy. All right, good job. He, he rolled it to me, right? Yep. Who has it now? I have it. He doesn't have it anymore because he rolled it to me, right? All right, Brennan, I want you to stand in that red box up there. There's a red square. I want you to stand in that. Now I want you to put your hands on this monster ball. Keep touching it, okay? No matter what I tell you, don't let it go. Alright? That's the one rule. No matter what I tell you, don't let it go, okay? Alright, Brennan, roll that monster ball to me. Eric and Christy, you might work, need to work on some obedience issues with your <laughs> child. Um, no, he's actually doing a good... Roll that ball to me. Okay, roll it to me. <laughs> uh, I, was, I could play with him a little bit, but I'm not going... Good job. You did it. Okay, give me five. Now, why did, he, why did why did he not get this ball to me? He didn't let it go, right? He wouldn't let it go. He didn't really roll it to me. Because he wouldn't let it go. Good job, buddy. Thank you. A part of rolling our way to the Lord, what did I do with my a part of rolling our way to the Lord is letting it go. The problem is, a lot of times we want to hold on to our own way. Look again at the verse, verse 5. What does it say to roll to the Lord? Roll your, your way. Your way. What is your way? We've got to know what our way is before we can roll it to the Lord. What's, it's our way. I want it my way. I don't want to give up my way. I want to do things my way. And if we want God to act in our lives, we've got to roll it over to Him. Look, your way, your way is your manner your way is your are your standards your way is your attitude your disposition your holiness it's your way of life it's it's broad it's 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 the way you do things it's everything it's your way it's everything about you and this is so simple yet so profound we need to roll our way over to the Lord by letting go of it and giving it to him to the degree we keep that precept we will see him act in our lives if we're not seeing him act in our lives it's because we're holding on too much to our way to some of our ways maybe you're giving up a lot of your way but you're holding on to some of your way these two things will unlock the door to God acting in your life and giving you the desires of your heart. We need to roll our way over to the Lord. Now, to end, I want to I refocus us on something, someone more important than George Mueller. We started by looking at George Mueller. He's a great example. But there's someone far greater at doing this that we need to look at And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, became a human being. And the the Scriptures tell us that yes, He came to save us and give us eternal life, but He also came to be an example for us that we might walk in His way. His way is one of absolute surrender to His Father. Absolute softness and pliability to what his father called him to do. His way is one of absolute commitment and trust. That's what rolling is. It's trusting. I trust you with it, Lord. I'm going to roll this over to you. His way is one of absolute trust and commitment. And these pictures show us that because he not only gave every day of his life, but he gave his whole life, surrendered to the will of his father, and went through the worst physical and emotional and spiritual pain that anyone could ever go through because of what his father wanted him to do and because he was so good at doing this. This should remind us of two things. One, that when we fail, we have a Savior who did it all perfectly in our place because we're going to fail. But this should also remind us of another thing. And that is what It's told to us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, when it says this Have this mind, this mindset, this paradigm shift in your mind. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, He humbled Himself. That's what it means to be soft before God by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth And under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Have this mind among yourselves. Recently, I was going through a rough time, and a friend of mine texted me, and all he texted me was the pictures of Jesus Christ. And that was enough to remind me one, that I have a Savior, and two, that I need to recalibrate my thinking. That's all that he wants us to do. Soft rolls. Every time you see a soft roll from now on, I want you to remember this message. Soft rolls for satisfied desires. Let's stand and pray. And I'd like the band to come up to to, uh, lead us in the last song. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us to receive this in a humble way and be soft because I know that You want the best for us and that's why this message is so important. I pray that lives would change today not because of me speaking but because of Your powerful Word that's been heard today. And Father, we, we just ask that You would help us in this. We know that You have given us the Spirit to to help us overcome the flesh. We know that the Spirit is far more powerful than our flesh. So we seek to yield and surrender and look for You to satisfy those new desires that You form in our hearts as we roll our ways over to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.